Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing too, because having a home is hard work. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. Geico.com. Easy. There's never been a better time to go to savewithconrad.com than right now. We make saving money fast and easy. But don't take my word for it. Ask Frankie Kazarian in California. Wait, the Frankie Kazarian? Yeah, the Frankie Kazarian. You know, one half of the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions as a part of SCU. Yeah, the Frankie Kazarian you see on TNT on AEW Dynamite every single Wednesday night. The Frankie Kazarian got hooked up at SaveWithConrad.com. He left us a five-star review and had this to say. Conrad, Jimmy, and the team were all beyond. Conrad, Jimmy, and the team were all beyond a delight to do business with. We wanted to do some major renovations and additions to our home that made this process incredibly easy and comfortable for us. They were always there to answer any questions we had and help us every step of the way. I cannot recommend them enough. Their professionalism is second to none, and they were a pleasure to do business with. Frankie Kazarian. Well, thank you, Mr. Kazarian, for the five-star review. I hope you and the missus enjoy turning your house into your home. Frankie knew what to do. He went to SaveWithConrad.com. He told his old mortgage company, SCU Later. How about this? When you go to SaveWithConrad.com, you're going to realize that you're currently in the worst mortgage you've ever been in. SaveWithConrad.com can help, though. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention no house payments for two months? We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you don't need perfect credit. So if we can't save you cash, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free, just like Frankie did, at SaveWithConrad.com. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive, plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer Jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven Singer. Dot com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She 
Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, you know, going to get full of Turkey is how I am. Well, it is a Thanksgiving day tradition around here for us to talk a little wrestling for us to talk a little survivor series. And of course, today is no different survivor series. 2005 is our topic. Normally we do a watch along, but well, ain't nobody got time for that. So today we're just going to cover survivor series, 2005, uh, different time, different place. We'll get back to the watch alongs, but probably no surprise today that, uh, we don't have the ability to do that, but we do have the ability to do though, is pay homage and respect to a very important figure in wrestling history who maybe has not gotten his just due. One of the guys who really helped popularize wrestling on the internet and he was very important in the history of WCW and ECW and of course impact. And along the way, uh, you became great pals with Bob Ryder, who we lost earlier this week. And I was actually in the middle of recording with Eric Bischoff. When I got your text, I wasn't monitoring the news or anything like that, but I read your text and Eric was overwhelmed because Bob was a very important player behind the scenes and you guys had a, a chance to get to know Bob and maybe he was misunderstood at times and certainly, uh, could be controversial at other times, but at the heart of it, what everybody had in common to say about Bob was what a great guy he was and what a sweet man he was. And that he always came from a good place and always had everybody else's best interest in mind. You really never heard anybody have long-term quote unquote heat with a guy like Bob Ryder. And that tells you in wrestling how special and unique he was, right, Bruce? Bob was a good guy, and I was really saddened with the news. Uh, I guess we found out. I was on the phone with someone this morning, uh, Chris Park, who was a dear friend of Bob Ryder's, and, and Chris had just found out and, and let me know. Bob's been battling cancer now for just about 10 years and was putting up the good fight, and unfortunately, uh, Bob was, I guess he lost that fight, man. No, you know, look, we just, we just found out and I'm just saddened by the loss and I hope that, um, 
that the good things and, and all of the positive things that Bob has done for so many in this business lives on. As you say, he was a pioneer. He was he was a guy that was, you know, doing the internet stuff when we didn't know what the hell the internet was. And uh, he was always very, very good to me and a, a very good man. And as you say, he always came from a very good place. And he will be sorely missed in this industry and sorely missed by those of us who called him friend. Really a heck of a guy, uh, gone way too soon in a, in a real long battle with cancer. And finally he's now at peace. And I guess that's the only bright spot in all of this is, you know, he can finally rest easy. No more crazy, uh, battles with cancer, chemo, and all the other unpleasantries that come along with that. Well, I don't know how to sort of transition to survivor series here, Bruce, but, um, let's jump to it. Survivor series. 2005 was the 19th such yearly event. It went down on November 27th, 2005. So as you're listening to this today, it was 15 years ago today from the Joe Lewis arena right there in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, the attendance is reported to be 15,000 folks. This is actually the third event held at the Joe Lewis arena for uh, carrying the survivor series banner. The others were 1991 and 1999. Of course, famously in 1999, that's when we hit that motherfucker with a car said motherfucker being stone cold, Steve Austin. And in 1991 undertaker dropped a motherfucker on his head. Motherfucker never actually touched his head to the map was Hulk Hogan. Lots of important survivor series over the years at this arena, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, shit, if you're going to celebrate Thanksgiving Eve, why the fuck wouldn't you want to do it in Detroit? Well, crime. Uh, Bruce muted himself, but he's looking at me. How about now? <laughs> <laughs> with me how about now what are you doing what why it was working fine why are you tinkering with shit it was working fine that i couldn't hear you and then i touched it and then everything started fucking up i cannot wait until we start recording the video so everyone can see you try to work electronic equipment this is bullshit welcome back this to the show hey, bruce hey here's here's the here's the thing man so yesterday and I'm going to the fucking eye gimmick to get my just uh, simple shit. The optometrist. Been, Let me translate for our listeners. You're going to the optometrist. That guy. Yeah. I don't think, but it was a chick. I don't think her, that was her name. But anyway, the guy hands me a, a, an iPad and says, how are you with electronics? Well, my wife is with me. So she just kind of laughs to herself. Sure. And they give this thing to me. He goes, okay. And then down here, when you finish this page, there's a tab down at the bottom and you hit the fucking tab. And then this other fucking page comes up and they do this, but it, I touched it and shit wasn't working. And the guy had to come down and sit across from me and they're, uh, you know, fuck me in electronics. Fuck you. Goddamn microphone motherfucker. By the way. He said, just like Jim Ross the other day, he was like, you know, technology doesn't get I along. I sound like a lot of things. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. 
It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. He said, copy this, drag that paste there. Fuck you. I'm like, okay, boy, I that, relate to that. Yeah. That's the most Bruce Pritchard thing you may have ever said. Mr. Ross. Well, fuck them. Seriously. What ha- what is wrong with the goddamn piece of paper and a fucking pen? You fill the shit out. Here, you want to you want to put it in your little fancy goddamn machine and you type the shit out. Didn't even have a keyboard with it. He wanted me to type it on screen and shit. And then when you mash the 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 Furnum snavits, you put your finger on the 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 thing there like, you know, check this and you put your and it wouldn't do nothing. Let's just run through this. Do you realize at this point you're so far in the wrestling bubble that you don't even know how to communicate as a human anymore. That's not true. He, I, he I, did the deal with my gimmick and, uh, I put him over and then he firmed my schnavitz and like, no one knows what the fuck you're saying anymore. I know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I do. And the listeners know that exactly. They know. And thank you for knowing, but it's fucking frustrating. Now I had, I had, I had two spectrums. Cause I went to the, to the dentist earlier in the morning and got greeted by fucking basically walking death. I don't know how this woman was, but anyway, and she wanted to touch my teeth with a sharp pointy thing. She had a and sharp like, gimmick. Oh, hell no. And then I go to the optometrist and this supposed to be eye friendly and they give me shit. I can barely read that. I got a touch and it wasn't working. Can I ask a question? Well, that's what you do. Bruce, chat me up about what? <laughs> that's a shout out to Ed Kosky, but go ahead. Oh, Ed rips my shit off. Oh, Ed constantly, whenever he wants to fucking bust my balls. Hey, Bruce, chat me up. Fuck you, Ed. Yeah, fuck you, Ed. Uh, <laughs> what about Vince McMahon? Does he go to the dentist? I can't imagine a scenario. With Mr. There is no sick has everything his way is going to go to the dentist, sit in the lobby, fill out paperwork, open his mouth, lean back in a prone position, let people put their fingers in his mouth. Everything about this. I never thought of this until just now. I can't imagine what that must be like Vince McMahon going to the dentist. Well, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he goes, gets his teeth is clean and shit. And Can you just go sure one day? Can you go with him one day and, and, and just film it just for personal reasons? How the fuck do you think we came up with Isaac Yankum? You went to the dentist with him. I thought that was just Bobby Heenan's joke. No, but it stemmed from, okay. It's twofold. All right. We went to the same dentist and I went and we like happened to have at the same time. And I, I wanted to go in while he was in there and shit and pretend like I was a dentist and, and those motherfuckers don't have much of a sense of humor when no, it comes to that shit. They do not. Yeah, it's just let me pretend to do some malpractice here. No, <laughs> man, that would, no, that would be bad. I'm like, well, he'll think it's funny, but they got no sense of humor. So yeah, I, I've actually been there when he's been like gone in to get his teethuses clean. That's shit. just amazing to me. The idea that this guy but he has clean teeth. No that he's willing to, you know, he's created his own universe now where things happen the way he wants all the time. And there it's, it's a little, you know, you're doing what they so want. So in you. your brain, in your mind, he's got like a fucking, 
uh, doctor's exam uh, room and office right off of his office and his own dental chair and shit right in there that they just miraculously do this and in this world of yeah, I, I, I assume, is. I assume that people come to him. Like I can't imagine him just, you know, strolling ass through a whole foods looking for the, the 2% milk. How the fuck else is he going to get his 2% milk? People are going to deliver it for him. They're going to have it stocked for him. He's got someone for that. Some, I, I imagine someone comes to his house and cuts his hair. So I also imagine that, you know, someone comes to a house and his house and gives him a massage or does his nails or whatever else. I don't see him going to. You have people come to your house and cut your hair. That's true. Okay. No, that's what I'm saying. If, if I got it going on like that, why didn't he have it going on like that? You can be more efficient if you can work while you're getting a haircut. I don't give a fuck about his goddamn hygienic practices. I don't either, but you used to go with him to book the shits when he went to get a haircut. And I was like, that's one yeah. thing, but going to sit there with your mouth wide open when I just, well, where else are you going to do that? I don't know. I was saying, and I was going to make the joke that actually wasn't a joke. While he doesn't have a dentist office attached to it, we do have like our own little uh, emergency clinic in the office. Well, most people, most of the big offices do. Then why is it that crazy when he's got all this other shit? He's got a gym at the office, he's got an emergency medical facility at the office. He can't get his fucking teeth cleaned at the office. Well, now nah, that's a little fucking extreme. Don't you think you're probably right. How about we talk about our show survivor series? That's what we've been doing in 2005. It? The tagline for the event was the beginning of the end. The poster for the show features a smoky scene with a light behind a shadowy figure that of the undertaker. There's six matches on the card. Two were billed as main events from a buy rate perspective. It does good numbers compared to the year before. Here in 2005, we do 400,000 buys for this show compared to 325,000 buys the year before of the big four that year. Of course it performed the worst, but that's almost always the case. 575,000 people got the Royal rumble, 980,000 people got WrestleMania, 650,000 people got SummerSlam and 400,000 bought tonight's show, the survivor series. Why do you think that is? Why is the survivor series, even though it was the second pay-per-view extravaganza created WrestleMania being number one, this feels like based on heritage and longevity, it, it would have been the second biggest, but that's not the case. It's way down the line. Why is that? Is just the concept, the time of year. What say you a little bit of everything. I think that the concept in some regard made it less than, or, or just feeling like it wasn't as must see. But then again, to me, I thought that the concept was something that was unique that people would want to see. Uh, in addition to that time of year and the holidays and coming in while it wasn't the day before or anything like that, it certainly was the weekend before. And it was certainly something that it's during a time people are watching their money because they've got Christmas and Thanksgiving and everything else coming up. Let's talk about some news and notes as we head into the show. Uh, MSNBC's Rita Cosby is going to be hosting two editions of live and direct from Afghanistan, along with WWE performers. She was running a blog on their website, talking about the trip and, um, she put it over pretty big. 
and she was thankful, or she wrote that the Afghans told her how thankful they were that Americans liberated their country and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of cool to see when there's so much negative news around the WWE, it feels like whenever the mainstream covers WWE, it's usually got some sort of tinge of negativity to it, but a positive piece from MSNBC and covering, you know, the commitment to, you know, going overseas and supporting the troops. This is good PR. Well, yeah, it is because this was during a time, you know, when you're talking about tribute to the troops and everything that we do for our armed forces. And I, I still believe in that. And I still think that that is, um, something that Americans don't do enough of is to thank the men and women who sacrifice and give their time to make sure that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have to do a podcast like this and to do everything else and have free thinking and all of the good shit that we have in America is in many ways do in from the folks that are over there risking their lives. So yeah, it's something that, uh, WWE definitely believed in and the talent definitely believed in. You look at guys like John Cena and John Layfield, two of the biggest proponents of tribute to the troops. There would be no tribute to the troops if it were not for John Layfield. It was his idea and it was something that he got started. And uh, so it's often overlooked, I think, the, the good that we do because most people like to dwell on the negative. So what's your next question? The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, High quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to I hate and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Whether you own or rent Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today. Ken Kennedy is going to be out for six months, tearing muscles in his back and shoulders. Batista suffered the same injury, but we're told that Kennedy's injury was more severe. The tendon separated from the bone in his back and Kennedy's going to wait three months before rehabbing. Uh, he would tell WWE.com. It's kind of similar to what triple H did to his quad. I had torn it completely off the bone and the doctor said I needed surgery that it couldn't be rehabbed. And, um, he felt it tear during the European tour. He said he had a bruise and some swelling, but both went away. And then he wrestled kid cash at a SmackDown taping in Cincinnati and the swelling returned. He's hopeful that he would be able to continue to contribute to SmackDown in a non wrestling role. Of course, in our previous months, we talked about how big of an impact, uh, Ken Kennedy had had since his debut 
He came in, has some wins over some big names. And then this happens when a guy comes in and has the quote unquote rocket ship strapped to him. And then he's injured. Does he start to get the injury prone tag right away? Or was that not yet the case here? Well, anybody can be injured at any given time. And the first time that someone comes in and they're injured, unfortunately, that's an evil of what it is that we do and the physicality of the job in and of itself. So when you look back with 2020 vision, then you say, well, hell, that may have been the first sign. But I don't think that anybody at that point was looking at Ken and going, oh, God, he's, he's injured his back. He's injury prone. It was after a while when they seem to pile up, that's kind of when you start wondering how their bodies are going to hold up. Let's talk about something else that's making the news and notes. On December 10th in Osaka, Japan, Brock Lesnar defeats New Japan's top tough guy, Nakanishi, in four minutes and 27 seconds in the main event. Will you stop? The semifinals saw Ricky Choshu and Tanahashi and Nagata beat Goto, Tenzan, and Chono in 1254. I'm bringing this up because Lesnar is wrestling here in defiance of the WWE's legal threats that he's breaking a no compete clause that he voluntarily signed about 20 months prior to this. Uh, it was a condition of his release from his WWE contract and uh, Meltzer, I'm sorry, the torch would say WWE is attempting to put a restraining order on his participation in future matches. WWE, WWE believes it is wrong that they came to a mutual agreement with Lesnar in 2003 so that he could leave the company to pursue his NFL dreams. As long as he didn't go work for another pro wrestling promotion worldwide until his contract would have expired. And now he's wrestling elsewhere. Listen, typically I always sort of side with the boys on a topic like this, but in this particular case, you guys let him out and said, Hey, you can go do whatever you want. Just don't go do this. And then he went and tried to do that. I see how you have an issue with this. Yeah, because again, we made the investment in training him initially and getting him to the popularity that he was at. Um, Brock was unhappy, wanted to do other things. That's fine. You can try other things. However, we had made the investment in him in the sports entertainment category and wanted to protect that. So just strictly business. In hindsight, do you think there was anything that could have been done? I mean, obviously there's been a rocky past or relationship with Vince and Brock over the years, sort of lots of stops and starts. Uh, do you think that something could have changed here or at this point, was it just too far gone? I don't know that it was too far gone or not. I just think that it was something that Brock wanted to do. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of thought put into it as far as I know. And, and thank God I wasn't heavily involved in, in any of that at the time. So it was, but from a business standpoint, yeah, it, it, we had put a lot into Brock and wanted to protect that investment. Let's talk about the show itself. As a reminder, we're covering the torch here this week, instead of the observer, uh, Wade would, would say that the first match got three Not much better, but I actually don't mind Wade as much just as much. Well, don't be just came up and introduced himself and said, hello, it, it Starcast and that very first Starcast that we had. Well, at Wale mania back in the day, 
uh, you posed for pictures with Dave Meltzer. So it's not like you guys have always been heated. Right. Yeah, he also ran from me like a little girl. Why, why are you doing this? Uh, because you brought up that I posed with him, but when well, I well, walked in, he ran to the other side of the room. That's not true. Yes, it is true. You weren't there. I was there. You weren't there when I walked into the building. Oh no, I wasn't there at that moment. And he ran like a little girl. And then they had to tell him that you were coming up on stage. And then they brought me up on stage because he didn't want me up on stage. And then just to be a dick in the back, when he was being interviewed, you did a run in. You got damn right. I did. What's wrong with you? And I hugged him on stage because he didn't want to be on stage with me. And I knew it. And can you remind me, can you remind me and refresh my memory? Because there was a chant that the audience at Wally Mania chanted when Dave Meltzer was introduced. Five stars, five stars, five stars, no. five stars. Fuck Dave Meltzer. Fuck Dave Meltzer. Fuck Dave Meltzer. Why are you doing But it was like a, it's like a Kurt Angle, you suck thing. It's a, it's a gimmick. It's a, it's a, it's a routine. No, it's not a gimmick. It was a feeling. Why are you being like this? It's the holidays. Will you be nice? I have been nice. Can we talk I'm about the show? Nice. Can we talk about the show? Well, we were, I was making comment. I do commentary on commental shit. Chris Benoit, Booker T best of seven series. This is match. Number one. Charmel is with Booker T. Uh, of course, these guys had a best of seven series in WCW and this is for the U S title. Wade would say they paced themselves for a lengthy match, settling into submission holds at five minutes. They eventually really get going. Uh, he's going to signal for the top rope headbutt. Charmel's going to jump onto the apron and yell at Benoit. Benoit decides to yell back, giving Booker time to catch him on the top rope. Benoit punches it out and then headbutts Booker to the mat. He goes for the headbutt, but Booker rolls out of the way and the crowd is really into it at this point. Booker then uses an Oklahoma roll to pin Benoit and Charmel is going to hold Benoit's leg to prevent the kick out three stars. And Wade would say nothing we haven't seen before, but well executed with decent pacing. Uh, these two guys, especially in this era were big pals of yours. Uh, I'm sure you, uh, really enjoyed this one. Loved it. Loved it. And th this was something that both Benoit and Booker pitched that they wanted to work with one another and thought that the best of seven series they had in WCW was good and wanted to repeat it. So let's go for it and had confidence in both talents to be able to not disappoint. And I don't think that they disappointed in one single match that they had. All right, check this out. I got a pro tip for you. It's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save big on a gift. I know they're going to use every day Raycon wireless earbuds. I got to tell you, I've used mine everywhere. I've even used them in the car. The kids wanted to listen to something I wanted to know part of. Boom. I'm in my own little cocoon. Thanks to Raycon. I even use this for conference calls at the office. I keep it here at my desk in case I need to take a private call. I don't want to run speaker. Uh, it's fun to listen to music with. I know Megan uses hers on her Peloton. This is a game changer for my family. Megan uses it. The kids use it. I use it. I've even gifted some of these to uh, Big Boo Judy, Cassie Kid, friends of the show. Our old pal Eric Bischoff loves them. He's got a little bit of cauliflower here. 
but they're still comfortable. And that was not his experience with other wireless earbuds. Now, what I like best about it though, is the bass. I gotta be honest. I think they're probably the best sounding earbuds around. If you listen to stuff that has a lot of bass, then you know, I do, uh, with seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise, isolating fit. This is comfortable for whatever you want to do. You want to binge podcast? You can. The audio quality is amazing, especially when you compare to these other premium brands and know that Raycon started like half the price. So this holiday season, get the folks in your life something you know they'll use, not just for music, not just for work, but for play at home or on the go. Talk about versatility and pick up a pair for yourself. You know, I have to admit, I've been skeptical sometimes when we hear, wait a minute, it sounds just as good, but it's half the price. Yeah, Raycon did it. Go to buyraycon.com slash wrestle today and get 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only. You don't want to miss it. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash wrestle, and you'll get 20% off your Raycons. That's buyraycon.com slash wrestle. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Let's talk about the, uh, the next match here on the show. I guess before we do though, let me ask, when did you realize Charmel was going to be such a good fit for Booker T because that's not always the case when you have somebody, you know, as a, as a new found part of an act, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, it sometimes complicates things when there's a real life relationship outside of the ring. What'd you well, think? Let me, let, let me educate you, uh, on Miss Charmel Huffman. Charmel was one of the Nitro girls, and she had done some valet work or things like that in WCW. But when you know we we purchased WCW and and what have you, and Charmel wasn't doing anything, Charmel would call me practically every single week, and every single week I'd tell Charmel. Hey, Charmel, I don't have anything for you right now, but again, this is not a no, it's just a not now and keep in touch with me. Something will come up and I'll be damned if something didn't come up and it was Charmel's persistence and her positive attitude that got her in the position to say, well, why don't we try this with book? And they had a relationship. It was gold. There was obviously natural, natural chemistry there. So you felt that. And Charmel is just a natural, just a natural reactor, I guess is the best way to say. It. I'm not going to call her an actress, even though she, she is a damn good actress, but she was able to react beautifully. And the chemistry between her and Booker, you could feel it was a natural. It was just an absolute natural, but it all just speaks to the persistence and the never quit attitude of, of Charmel. A testament to her for sure. Did Booker like the idea, uh, the idea of turning heel and his wife being sort of the catalyst for it? Uh, yes, but <laughs> Booker, uh, much like someone else I know is a natural heel and embraced being a heel and just being able to get into that confident, arrogant portrayal of himself. So yes, Booker was a natural. He said someone else, you know, I mean, you're a heel. 
a natural. Yeah, healer. I'm a heel. So I know me. What what what? Uh, who are you referring to? I was referring to myself. Hmm. And if you got a mirror there, check it out. Oh, I'm I'm a heel too. Oh, you're a heel. Really? You're an ultimate heel. Well, I'm, I'm working. Baby, don't look at me like that. That really. I'm just saying, I'm unless work- you're looking in a mirror right now, pal. Then yeah. No, 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 no. I, I may I mean, be a heel. At your monitor, yeah, you'd be looking at a heel. But if you got like that little box, like I do, up in the corner where you can see yourself, you might got two heels there. So you're saying now, how in the world are you? Do you think I'm a heel? Because I got the internet fooled. They're thinking I'm working babyface, and you're saying nay, nay, I'm a heel. Yeah, you. Yeah, well, if anybody thinks you're a babyface, they'd be fooled then. Really? Really. What What have I done heelish? Oh, my God. First time I ever met you and walked into your house, you told me, oh, hey, uh, make sure that you do this, do that, and just... Uh, oh, instigating shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're an instigating heel. Okay, that's true. All right, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll take it. By the way, the story is, uh, Bruce came to visit and it just so happened Alabama was playing Texas A&M and I had a whole home theater area full of roll tide Alabama fans. And so Bruce and I are in the downstairs den right by it. And, uh, it's got like stadium seating. It's got about like, you know, about 13 rows, about 12 seats on each row. Anyway, you are not a football fan really, but I, I made sure to put a bug in your ear that if you started cheering for the other team, Texas A&M. And since you were from Texas, it could be believable that it would really liven up our little get together. And you did. And you took, you, you took the quote unquote Iggy really well and were the most hated man when everyone went home that day, even though Alabama won and, and, and your team technically lost, they were still mad at you when they left. So it was a win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just the way I wanted it worked out. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, Lord, I hate to break it down like this. In hindsight, would it have been a good call to have Benoit go over in this first match, given the um, how the relationship he had with Eddie Guerrero and that fans at home knew that? Do you think it would have been like another little feel-good moment for one of Eddie's pals? Because you guys were doing that pretty regularly, like whenever... Chavo would come out, he'd be wearing the armbands and the fans would be chanting. And I feel like Benoit may have been in a similar spot, but we decided to go another way. Again, at some point, you know, you've got to get back on point with your stories and we needed to move and get back on point. Well, let's talk about one of our more controversial moments in the history of pay-per-view. It's up next. Eric Bischoff is promising. Vince McMahon backstage that raw would decimate SmackDown. He said he planned to screw John Cena, just as McMahon screwed Bret Hart. And, uh, as Bischoff chanted, you screwed Cena, Cena walked in and he said, so Eric Bischoff screws guys, not really my thing. And then McMahon asked Cena what's good in the hood. And then said, keep it up my blank. And then strutted away like George Jefferson. And then we see uh, Booker and Charmel. And <laughs> Booker says, tell me he didn't just say that. And I can't believe this actually happened. And if I'm honest with you, I kind of forgot that it was even on this show. until I started doing my research, but here we are 15 years away from 
may be one of the more controversial things that Vince ever did on pay-per-view, but you know, context is King, I suppose. Chat me up. Um, just a minute. I don't think it holds up. Well, no, no shit. Doesn't age. Well, you know, at the time you're doing different things that we would never do now. Eric Bischoff and I just watched the episode where he was fired and they showed a clip of, uh, may young giving him a stink face. And then they came back to her, uh, in the courtroom scene and she's in on the witness stand and she's got her middle and forefinger spread and she's flipping her tongue around in between them. It's like, you could never do that in 2020. Like that would never in a million years happen. Uh, but Hey, that was pop culture in 05. But my goodness, the, if you had, if you had this one back, you probably wish you had this one to do over, huh? Ah, probably so. Obviously this is something that is, uh, a sensitive topic these days. Do you remember this being something that you had to sort of go run past a lot of folks backstage? Would this have been something that you would have gotten the green light for? Well, I think that there were people whose opinions were asked and, you know, again, it's it just a, a different time in a different place where you did different things that were not, you know, not things that hold up when I go back and, and I'm into the Alfred Hitchcock hour now taping it every single night, you know, you sit there and you watch some of the things of, uh, on television of, of men just basically, uh, slapping the shit out of women uh, back and forth as if it was just another day at the office. And it's, it's just, uh, time has a way of, of making things cringeworthy. Do you remember, uh, Booker or Charmel having a reaction to this or they, they understand hey, it's entertainment. We're trying something might work, might not. You know, again, it, it's just different time, different place, different, different mentality. I know this sounds silly, but Vince is somebody we've always believed to be disconnected from pop culture. You know, this is someone who you've sort of joked before in the past would say, what about Steinfeld instead of Seinfeld because he was just, you know, that's not in his wheelhouse. And there's even been jokes about him listening to certain types of music on the show and things like that. I'm saying all that to ask, does someone have to coach him up on the proper way to say the word? I know that sounds silly, but in hip hop, they use an a and not so pleasant ways. People use the hard R and it's almost become a big joke. I'm sure someone comes to Vince and has the idea. Hey, wouldn't it be hilarious if he did this or he said that? And then they have to make sure he understands that there are intricacies in how the context of, of he's not a child. He's a grown ass man. And you know, it's, it's again, dude, it's different time, different place. No arguing that this is just, uh, if you watch this without the context of who John Cena is and how silly WWE is, as you said, ah, doesn't age well. Uh, do you remember there ever being a, a different circumstance where he was trying to talk cool, like try to be hip and just like a lot of our dads do, it just falls a little flat. Like for instance, let me give you an example. I'm sure you've heard of uh WAP this year. It was like the, the late summer anthem. I can't believe that was a, a hit song, but you're familiar with WAP, correct? Yes. So as crazy as it is that that's a song, my dad has no idea what that is or that it exists. 
well, very recently we were watching football together and an old friend of ours who we hadn't heard from, from a long, in a long time, texted my dad. And I just, as he's telling me, he's like, man, I hadn't heard from this guy in like eight years. Can you believe it? This is so cool. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, he's got like a catering business now. He said, what? I said, well, it's like a food truck deal. He's like, really? What's he sell? And I said, wings and pizza. And he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you should tell him, you know, put him over, make him feel good. Say, Hey man, I can't wait to get some of your WAP wings and pizza. That's his food truck. So my dad, not knowing any better sent this guy. I can't wait to get some of your WAP. And our mutual friend texted it back and said, was this supposed to go to miss Deborah? Because dad had no idea. And he's like, and he responded and he's like, don't be a stupid bitch. No, my wife doesn't make wings or pizza. I, where would that even come from? And that's when my friend realized probably his, and he said, my son wings and pizza. So has, have you ever seen Vince, you know, try to, Hey, I'm cool. I'm hip. I know the things. As much as me or you or anybody else. I mean, I'm just hoping you can give me a lighthearted story so we can move off of him dropping the end bomb and just have no, a good show. I ain't got no lighthearted story. Okay, cool. Trish Stratus wrestled Molina. It was for the women's title. This was a match <laughs> star and a half. It was described as usual good intensity from Trish and Molina. Of course, Trish has gone on to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Molina is not. Maybe one day. It uh, feels like, uh, Eventually, every woman that was ever in WWE gets put in the Hall of Fame. What did you think of this one? Watching it back for the first time in 15 years. <laughs> well, um, it was a match. You know, I, I think sometimes that you had both, actually both women really wanted to be the best. I just don't know if Melina was at the place yet where she had the skill level and Trish had, had been working for a while. And, and I, Melina was a little green here in the show. The holidays are just around the corner. Got a quick question for you. Are you looking for a way to stay connected with your loved ones during the holidays this year? This is going to be a pretty challenging year due to all the social distancing and a lot of folks not wanting to travel right now. So here's the thing. If you're not able to be in person, Skylight might be the perfect gift for you. If you're thinking to yourself, I want to give a gift that will make my mom or dad or grandmother or grandfather feel like they're right there with us during the holidays, boom, Skylight to the rescue. And if you're not able to travel to them during this current situation, I really can't recommend the Skylight frame enough. We've talked about this a lot on my shows, but uh, my mother-in-law recently moved from Denver to Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, of course, now during social distancing, you know, she wants to be near the grandkids and we're down here in Alabama. It's probably less than ideal. And we thought the skylight would be a home run. So this past weekend, we gifted my mother-in-law one of these new skylight frames and she absolutely loved it. Now here's the pro tip. What we did, we preloaded it with pictures. But all weekend, she was getting updates in real time. Let me explain. For a really special gift, for the special people in your life, you really have to check out Skylight Frame. It's a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. This is a perfect way to feel close to those that you really care about, even when you have to be separated. 
I want to mention it sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. You just plug it in, use the touch screen to connect to your wireless network and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email them to this personal Skylight email address and they pop up in a second. It's worth mentioning multiple people can send photos to the frame, so it's a great way to keep a whole network in place. So right now, of course, she can get pictures from all three of the grandkids and it's just so cool. It's a black and white frame. Or it's a black frame with a white mat. Excuse me. It looks like a real photo frame. It's going to look classy in your house, but man, this is special. As we mentioned, it's a 10 inch touchscreen. You can swipe through the photos with your finger, or you can even tap the photo to thank the person who sent you the photo. By the way, this is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. And as I said, you can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift. This has been a home run at my house. I can't recommend it enough, especially if you have grandparents or in-laws or whatever that live a, a, a good distance away from you. Dude, I, I, I'm a hero at my house and it's because of Skylight Frame. Can't recommend it enough. And right now as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the promo code WRESTLE. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code WRESTLE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. Skylight.com and the promo code is WRESTLE. There's uh, a lot going on here. We've also got mickey j is what we're calling her here before she's mickey james she's with trish stratus is the super fan of sorts the second but the other subplot or storyline going on here is styles and taz of course in this era we've just fired jim ross joey styles is his replacement he's the voice of raw taz is the one of the voices on smackdown with michael cole and they're doing commentary here together and taz says something like i'd be happy not to have to work with you again and Styles said once every 10 years is fine. And Taz said he hasn't missed him. And Styles said, I'm done with him. Obviously we've talked, we've had a lot of fun talking about our pal Taz over the years. Did he have real life issues with Joey Styles, or is this all just part of a storyline building towards, you know, some crescendo with raw versus SmackDown? Yeah, it was the brand rivalry there. I don't know if there was ever any heat there one way or another. Um, I'm sure Taz has had a lot of heat with a lot of people throughout the years that, you know, Taz is one of those guys, very quiet, likes to keep to himself and has been misunderstood yes. quite a bit throughout his career. I would agree. So yeah, they, I, no, this was to my knowledge. I think that, uh, Joey and Taz are friendly. The next match, while not technically the main event was one of the more major storylines heading into this show. It's a rivalry between triple H and Ric Flair. Of course, they were a big part of evolution. Flair was uh, essentially triple H's on screen and perhaps at different times off screen mentor, but in real life, whenever Rick would be battling some sort of uh, confidence issues, triple H was there to help him pull the nose up. But the feud really began at WWE homecoming where triple H returned to TV after an absence that lasted three months. They've been together since 2002. They've been, uh, positioned in a tag match on that show. And after they win the match, triple H would attack flair with a sledgehammer. 
And as they moved forward, uh, triple H would explain that flair was no longer the legend he was, and he needed to stop flair. They met at a steel cage match in taboo Tuesday, which flair won, and a last man standing match has been made for them tonight on the build to this show. We saw flair cut one hellacious promo where he pulls the bandaid off his head, starts hitting himself in the forehead, talking about how he's dodged death over and over. And now he's got to look at this and it hurts and he's pouring blood going absolutely bananas. It's one of the better promos of his entire career. Not just one of the best promos of the year, but ever. And what a memorable spectacle it was in this feud. Do you think this feud is sort of underrated in history? I don't, I don't think people talk about it or give it a nearly enough credit. I, I do. And I think that one of the best aspects of the rivalry was how personal it was and just how much in real life, first of all, that the two have respect for each other. But in addition to respect, that there was a lot of just genuine love there. And it was something where Rick the stalwart and Rick the legend and Triple H being told, you know, by Flair and by others, hey, you're the next guy. So it was a real life story that you were able to turn into storyline that I think everybody could feel. Everybody, everybody felt the jealousy, the there were so many emotions in this that were right there. The, the jealousy of triple H for the adjuration that Ric Flair had the love of Ric Flair to see, you know, the guy that idolized him, you know, turn on him, the, the love of a father and a son and of two brothers or what have you. It, it just was emotional. It was heartfelt. And you take two of the best in the industry and put them together. It just had all the makings of, of classic. It's really outstanding. Um, Wade would ask, when was the last time triple H was on a pay-per-view this early? I think that's actually, that's a great idea. A great question. I mean, he's been a main eventer at this point for years and years and years. And if he wasn't at the tippy top, he, he wasn't third. Uh, but that, you know, that shows you how stacked this roster is. But also, again, I think that the, how people, when people say that, I, I just, I throw it out the window because there is no, it doesn't matter where you are in the card as far as, oh, well, this match didn't mean much because it was on third. That's just horseshit logic. You know, we, we opened up WrestleMania, you know, Brock Lesnar one year, we, we've opened up you know, with, with main events, uh, easily main events for the first match. You, it's a different philosophy in how you present the card. You can offer, you can start with the biggest thing you've got sometimes to start off with a bang and then leave everybody else. Hey, follow that. It's <sighs> position on the card. As far as number means little to nothing. Well, we've got a hell of a start here. Um, Hunter's going to attack flair on his way to the ring while he's still got his robe on. They're going to brawl at ringside for several minutes. They're going to grab a chair, a kendo stick. They're all over the place. And it's no surprise that this is a good match. This is going to go a long time. 
they get uh, 26 minutes and 59 seconds. Ultimately, um, Hunter's going to grab a sledgehammer and hit flare across the shoulder blades with it. This time the referee gets all the way to 10 Flair strapped to a back brace and helped out by the medics and Wade gave it four stars. He would say not a match of the year, but a very good dramatic blood fest with good internal logic, not entirely unpredictable and not particularly exciting as it never got out of second gear. Although in a match like this, that's going, that's going to happen past the five minute mark with any credibility anyway, but it told a good story and for him to be as critical as it, as his recap is, you wouldn't think he would give it four stars, but I love this match. And maybe it's because I just like the story between the two. Maybe it's because I'm a flare Mark, uh, but I just thought it was a great match. what do you think? I thought it was a great match too. And when you look at the story, it was all told there, uh, hindsight again, your takes change over time. And I thought it was too bloody. I thought there's too much gore. Um, but that's my taste. And, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, probably would have thought different, but watching it back, it was, it was too much. These are screwdriver here. Is that too much? Yeah. But again, it was different. It was, it was something, it was a weapon to use. That's different, but I do think that's too much as well. There's a spot in the match where you get a great shot of Ric Flair doing his business with the razor blade. And over the years, there's been moments where guys like captain Lou wouldn't even try to hide it. And it was blatant and they were just way out of line in a case like this with flair. Is this him being in the wrong position, the director or the cameraman not communicating, uh, where does the the blame belong for this? Well, I blame, I don't know if there's blame. I just think that it's on everyone's part, not, (laughs) not being able to do better in not shooting certain things and or doing it blatantly. But what has happened is, is that people that have no idea about the business think they know what's going on and, and expose different things that, um, when you look back on, Oh, I know what he's doing and all this other shit. Um, most people watching that had no idea what the hell they were looking at. So when the critics and those that think they know, talk about it, um, but again, from a, an artistic viewpoint, looking at it, it's like, yeah, too much. Let's talk a little bit about that because I've always been of the impression that the idea is whenever something like that is going to happen, you create a distraction, not just for the live audience, but for the camera as well. Maybe somebody's hot dogging or whatever. It, it just feels like that sort of paint by numbers, right? Not necessarily. Again, it's, it's being good at your craft and being able, um, to take care of your business and it it shouldn't be an issue. Let's talk about, uh, the next, the, the next piece of business on the show. But before we do, how important do you think this feud was and this match was to Hunter and Rick? I mean, this is a mutual appreciation society. Is it not? I mean, one of Hunter's role models as a, as a wrestler, you know, his inspiration as a wrestler, it's guys like Ric Flair and Harley race. So when he gets to have a big bloody last man standing pay-per-view style match with one of his heroes, that's gotta be something he's fired up about. Without a doubt. Both of them were, 
and both both talent had so much respect for the other talent in, in real life is why this entire rivalry made so much sense and still resonates today because you felt all the real emotions that the two were feeling and everybody could relate to it. The most hated jeweler in America makes holiday shopping easy. Steven Singer has the perfect gift for that special someone who's the center of your universe. The one who your whole world revolves around that person. Who's the star of your love story. Show her it's her with Steven's brand new exclusive star of love diamond necklace. Picture it a star necklace covered in real sparkling diamonds with an open heart in the center. This beautiful necklace is just $128 plus fast and free shipping in time for Christmas. Great jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Buy real jewelry from a real jeweler you can trust. Steven Singer is not in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. It's easy. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Star of Love Diamond Necklace. Steven's real expert jewelers are available seven days a week to help you. In his showroom at the other corner of the 8th and Walnut in Philly, by appointment only, or through email, chat, phone text, or virtual video appointments, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Let's, um, let's talk about the next thing. We've got the SmackDown team talking about needing a leader backstage. Batista said he would be the leader and check to see if that was okay with everyone else on the team. Everyone said yes, but Orton at least hesitated for a few seconds before agreeing. These were fun segments. what did you think of these? Did you put these together? <laughs> they, you know, it, it was fun. And the, the fun thing about it is, is again, when you base things in reality and you're able to tap in to how the talent themselves really feel. And there was a time that it was, there was brand rivalry and there were, you know, talent that, you know, bled blue for SmackDown and raw bled red for raw. So, they competed internally and even those on respected brands kind of felt, well, I should be the leader. I, I should be the guy that, uh, is pretty much setting the pace for everyone else to follow. So you feed off of that and turn it up a notch and it writes itself. Next up, we've got, uh, edge and Lita walking to the ring. He says, it's just, uh, him and a live bike. And that scares some people. And, uh, he's going to try to, uh, trash the tigers and just Detroit in general. Uh, he's eventually going to start referring to Demetrius young as Mark Henry. And, uh, it's an okay little segment here. You know, they're, they're even having some fun at his expense saying, um, Hey edge, where's your world title? what do you think of this interaction with, uh, real life sports and edge here? It's always fun. And Detroit, for whatever reason, a lot of guys lived in Detroit, man. I remember Ted Nugent showing up, George Thorogood, uh, Hitman Hearns, Thomas Hearns, and the Red Wings. Pat Patterson loved the hockey players, as he would say. He wouldn't say hockey. It would be, oh, the hockey players are here. The, the, you know, the Red Wing. And so it, it's funny that. I never <laughs> realized just how many 
huge stars lived in Detroit. Not a knock, Detroit. It's just that stars that did live there where your hometown boys often came out uh, to support the cause. So there was often a lot of talent to work with and a lot of material there. We've got uh, one of the big feuds happening next. It's John Cena and Kurt Angle for the WWE World Heavyweight title. Two of the top stars, two of the top performers. The rivalry began back in August when Bischoff chose Angle as the number one contender for the WWE Championship after Cena defeated Chris Jericho in a You're Fired match to retain the belt. And uh, Angle failed to win the title at Unforgiven. And the Stu squared off at uh, Taboo Tuesday, a triple threat match with John Cena. Once again, Cena retains. On November 7th on Raw, Angle would refuse to compete in a tag team match, uh, pitting him and Chris Masters against Cena and Michaels due to the you suck chance from the audience. And then Angle finally agreed to complete, compete if Bischoff silenced the crowd and let him have a special guest referee. Angle would choose Davari, who favored Angle and Masters throughout the match and ultimately disqualified Cena and Michaels for using a chair, which of course was ignored earlier when it was used by Masters. So that sets the stage. And we've got, uh, Davari being introduced as a special guest referee before the wrestlers come out and the fans are really into this. There's a loud battle of let's go angle and let's go Cena chance. And, uh, man, they're off to the races three and a quarter stars. Cena gets the win in 13 minutes and 50 seconds. He retains. And, uh, this is a good match. I don't know that people remember this one as well as maybe they could. I really liked it. It's heavy on storyline. Uh, but I dig it. Charles Robinson, a SmackDown referee eventually comes out and makes the count. And of course, coach is incredulous with this and says that Robinson has no business doing that. And styles reminds him, well, they're all sanctioned by WWE and angle returns to the back, practically in tears, yelling bullshit. Nice story Two hall of fame performers. What'd you think of the match here? I thought it was excellent. And it was Cena really coming into his own and proving that he belonged on top and proving that he was the guy. But when you look at it, I think that the craziest thing is we're in 2005 here. Kurt Angle is what a seven year veteran at this point. And John is probably a five year uh, veteran at this point. So you've got, or a little more, but I'm saying it on the WWE roster for sure. They had both risen so quickly, and it's seven years. Angle was seen as like the old Wiley veteran, but yet he he was still in many ways brand new. But to me, I think the biggest thing that stood out was Cena hanging with Angle all the way through the match and just kind of letting everybody know I can hang, I can go, and I deserve to be here. It was a big match and, uh, the fans were really, really into it. And it's kind of fun to see how these two styles work together. I mean, obviously they have two totally different styles, but what they have in common is that the fans believe in both of them. And, uh, you can tell how over Kurt is with the hardcore fans, even if we're supposed to boo him, they still really, really respect him. And part of me wonders, do you think this is maybe where some of the John Cena suck stuff comes from when they see him in there with a guy like Kurt angle, but Cena wins, do you start to it, lose some of the hardcore fans and they start to say, Oh, this is bullshit. 
I think that it was cool to boo Cena and say Cena sucks because of, you know, the quote internet fan or whatever, not liking the meteoric rise of John Cena. So there are those that that were going to do that. But the bottom line is they cared about John Cena, boo him, cheer him, say he sucks, say he's great, do whatever it is you want to do. Just make some noise. So that that was the beauty of John Cena. Next up, we've got Eric Bischoff and Teddy Long, a battle of the GMs player. Teddy Long is, of course, the SmackDown general manager. He wants to make you go one-on-one with the Undertaker. And, of course, Paul Cannon is with him. That's a popcorn fart in hindsight. And uh, Eric Bischoff is the GM of Raw. Cole is going to join Coach and Lawler on commentary. Teddy Long is going to be mocking Bischoff's karate early. Uh, Palmer, the network guy, is going to distract the referees unintentionally, allowing Bischoff to gain an advantage. And then Bischoff applies a sleeper on Teddy. And then before the match can get too boring, the boogeyman's intro plays. He approaches Bischoff from behind, slams him, and that leads to Teddy Long scoring the easy win. Long did his celebration dance afterwards, and the network guy applauds. Five minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, I don't know why this is on pay-per-view. Is this just one of those dreaded let-me-up moments? Had this match been held in Cody, Wyoming, it would be 14 stars. And you know that's true. If it was in Cody, Wyoming? Yeah. In the old Cody Dome. Okay. Yeah. Because everybody knows that Karate Man would kill anybody else. Even though Eric is is not uh, inducted into the Black Belt Hall of Fame, he still is Karate Man. Listen to you. What? Karate Man, look out for other Karate Man. All right, listen. I've been looking forward to this next match. I'm saying this on behalf of WWE fans everywhere, Bruce. We fucking hate this SmackDown Raw feud horse shit, and we need you to stop. We don't like it. Okay. That's really it. All right. Thank you. If you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something really unique and personal, man, we've got a great idea for you. Of course, we're talking about paintyourlife.com. You can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from any photo at an affordable price. Here's how this works. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you start by going to paintyourlife.com. Check out how easy this is. You can send any picture of your kids, yourself, family, a special place, a special pet. You can even combine photos into one painting. They even offer a compilation portrait at Paint Your Life. So you can bring family members together who never had a chance to meet. So maybe if your grandkids never met their grandparents, boom, you're good to go. You can even create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there. How cool is that? You get to work with a team of world-class artists, pick the right one for you and work with them until every detail is perfect. By the way, to get started, we're talking less than five minutes and you get this portrait in about three weeks. It's meaningful. It's personal. It can be cherished forever. And it makes the perfect holiday gift for someone you love or for yourself. I have given this multiple occasions. I'm doing it again this year. 
I can't recommend it enough. This is a home run gift for someone special in your life. If you want to give a truly meaningful and personal gift that they'll never get rid of and never forget who gave it to them, it doesn't get better than paintyourlife.com. And at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word wrestle to 64,000. That's wrestle to 64,000 text wrestle to 64,000 paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Their feud started on the homecoming on October 3rd. When Eric Bischoff, who was the raw general manager would stop a match involving SmackDown wrestlers by turning the lights out. Of course, in return, Teddy long would interrupt a raw match. This all continues. Eventually there are some injuries. There are some replacements, including sadly, Eddie Guerrero was replaced by Randy Orton due to his, uh, sudden death, but we've got Batista, JBL, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, and Rey Mysterio all representing SmackDown taking on Shawn Michaels, Kane, Chris masters, big show and Carlito. And Wade would say the ring introductions took about 15 minutes and the announcers took swipes at the other brand during the long ring intros with all the announcers having their mic on. There's plenty of talking and Wade would say Taz came across as the leader of the five moving the discussion along. They get plenty of time here. 23 minutes and 23 or 23 minutes and 28 seconds. Uh, ultimately that leaves, it comes down to Shawn Michaels versus Randy Orton with about three and a half minutes left. They both battle until they're both knocked out on the mat. A groggy JBL grabs a chair at ringside swings at Shawn inside the ring. Shawn ducks. And then Orton, um, gives Michaels an RKO from behind and that's it. Uh, the SmackDown locker room. But then lift up Randy Orton in the air in celebration. SmackDown wins. Wade would call it a good 10 man tag about what you'd expect. Three and a half stars, but just fundamentally, why should we care about raw versus SmackDown? Well, there were people that only watched one or one or the other. And from an audience standpoint, there was, a, there were people that preferred SmackDown. There were people that preferred raw. The brands were separate and there was a brand loyalty for those that just watched one or the other. And those that watched both had their favorites. Pretty much as simple as that. And I, since I was on SmackDown, SmackDown was better. <laughs> so SmackDown won because you were working on SmackDown and you wanted them to win. That's right. Me. All me, 100%. It was all me. By myself. Well, the most memorable moment of the show is as they've got Orton lifted up on their shoulders and they're all celebrating, The Undertaker's music hits. And Orton sells it fantastic. He looks panicked. The casket is brought out. Orton looks on in fright with all the SmackDown wrestlers stopping their tracks. A casket stood on its end and then caught on fire and exploded and out walked the fucking undertaker. It's a miracle. And Michael Cole says the dead has risen. Taker walked to the ring with a sense of purpose, tossed Orton out. And then he began choke slamming, punching and kicking everyone out of the ring. Some fled undertakers on the poster for the event. So maybe we should have known, but my goodness, how great was this finish? 
again, it, it was absolutely beautiful. You know, you go off of the the damn casket burning just a month before, and the return, and just no pun intended, igniting of this rivalry with Randy and Taker, I thought was one of the best and could have gone on for longer than it did. I love it. Of course he's here to, you know, we've been covering everything from the Oh five show. So, you know, the, the backstory with all that's happened with Randy and his dad and of course, uh, undertaker. So it's a, it's a nice little moment here. So I get why SmackDown would be victorious and we have the big celebration. It really is great TV. But God damn it. I'm so tired of this raw versus SmackDown stuff. I hate it. Okay. We hate it, Bruce. Just sharing. Uh, the aftermath is this five on five survivor series match essentially ends the rivalry between the brands. Well, because survivor series is over, uh, Bischoff, we know is going to be fired as the general manager of raw by Vince McMahon because he lost, which we just are about to cover on 83 weeks. After Survivor Series, Cena and Kurt Angle continue their feud. Um, Randy Orton and The Undertaker are going to fight each other at Armageddon in a Hell in a Cell match. Uh, Triple H is going to move on to a feud with The Big Show. Ric Flair is going to feud with Edge over the Intercontinental Championship. And Chris Benoit is going to continue his best of seven with Booker T. I think that the takeaway from this is probably... I mean, what say you, the return of the undertaker, is that the biggest moment of the night? It's what you were left thinking about without a doubt. And when you look at it in hindsight and look at it after all these years, you kind of go, Hmm, okay. It looks solid. Uh, but actually it was a fun show overall. I mean, everything pretty much delivered, even Teddy long and Eric Bischoff delivered. What a great match. Uh, <laughs> at least it was short. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, um, I mean, but I think that the card overall was a pretty damn good, solid card. And yes, we wanted people to leave there thinking about, holy shit, when Undertaker gets his hands on Randy Orton. I mean, more than solid match with the opener with Benoit and Booker T. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing Trish Stratus and a very young Mickey James here and Molina. Uh, really incredible match with Triple H and Ric Flair. Probably the match of the night, in my opinion. Okay. A little segment here with edge, Kurt angle and John Cena put on a great match. I don't think it was as good as the flair triple H match Bischoff, Teddy long thing. As you said, just a bit of a, let me up, but man, look at the talent in the, in the main event, Ray Mysterio here was a bona fide superstar. Bobby Lashley had the rocket ship strapped to him. We know JBL had more heat than, uh, you know, your HVAC Randy Orton and Batista are bona fide main eventers. Of course, we know Shawn Michaels, the best that ever did it. Arguably Kane is one of the most prolific stars in the show's history. There's nobody bigger literally than big show, but the other two guys, I want to talk about a minute, Carlito and Chris masters. I don't think either one of those guys wound up having the type of WWE career that they probably envisioned or the people imagined for them. Why do you think that is? I mean, they clearly have a big time opportunity here. And just for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like neither one became as big of a star as we all, probably you included, imagined. Yeah, I think that Carlito had a hell of a run. And, you know, Chris, for whatever reason, um, kind of petered out. And was it too much was too it? soon in both cases? I don't mean to cut you off, but possibly both of the, both of the guys are real young. And 
And I just wonder in hindsight, like if they would have came in five years later, after they'd been around the loop, they had a little seasoning on them. Maybe they had some grays in their beard. They'd been around the loop a few times. Maybe was it too much too soon? It might've been. And you know, it, it might've been, uh, you know, a lot of things. And I think that Carlito, when you look at Carlito, um, in my opinion, I thought that Carlito had a pretty damn good career and lived up to a lot of the hype. Could he have been bigger? Uh, possibly. Yes. I, I think he could have been, but I also think that what Carlito accomplished during the time he was there, he did live up to, to a lot of that hype. And I think was one hell of a damn good talent. Um, you know, Chris, I think we missed the mark on a little bit and maybe just, it was too much too soon. Yeah. And listen, I'm not, I know sometimes we we're just in an effort to cover everything as much as we can. And sometimes we don't really convey everything we're trying to say. I want to be clear. I don't think this is talked about enough. Chris masters is in the main event of survivor series. He's 22 years old, 22. That's a kid. That's a kid. And so like later when people are like, oh, he did this, he did that. He's fucking 22 y'all. And he's making right. more money than ever. And he's got big jacked up dude. Who's got a lot more attention in a major spotlight than he's ever had before. And he's on the road every night and blah, blah, blah. I just think, you know, and by the way, Carlito, he's only 26. So these guys are at the top of the food chain and they're 22 and 26. So when they stand out, I think it's important to provide the context of, uh, Hey man, this guy technically could have still been playing college sports. That's how young he is. I mean, he's four years removed from going to the fucking prom and now he's main eventing survivor series. He's had a driver's license for six years. It's uh it's a lot. When you put it that way, shit. <laughs> It's because they were too fucking young, Conrad. <laughs> Goddamn. I'm just saying, you know, I, I know oh, it's true that you, it's important to understand the context that Chris masters at 22 years old is standing across the ring from JBL and Randy Orton and Ray Mysterio and Batista. And he's tagging with Kane and Shawn Michaels and big show. He's 22. It's unbelievable. He's a child. I mean, look, my kids are going to be in February. I don't know. How old? They're going to be 22. Oh, I didn't know that. Legitimately. Yeah. Think about this. Um, when Shawn Michaels started wrestling, Chris masters was one this week. A lot of us are going to get our holiday shopping start. Well, why don't you treat yourself to the ultimate wrestling gift this holiday season, starting midnight Thursday through this Monday. You can sign up for a full year's membership to adfreeshows.com at a 10% discount. Plus, get an exclusive comic book of your favorite superhero podcast host. This comic book can't be bought anywhere else. The only way to get it is to become an annual member of adfreeshows.com this weekend. Sign up or upgrade this weekend at adfreeshows.com. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work, so get a quote at geico.com. Easy pretty remarkable. Sean has 21 years of wrestling experience. Chris masters is 22. They're tag partners. Fuck. Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, fuck, just saying, uh, so, Hey, can we talk about this raw versus SmackDown thing? Are you ever going to acquiesce? Are you going to listen to us? 
No. God damn it. Hey, I know that you hate when I do this, but I saw something online the other day that I thought was fucking genius. What if there were stakes to this Raw versus SmackDown thing and it had an implication for something at like Royal Rumble or something? I love when you guys are introduced to Royal Rumble and the winner gets a title shot. But what if like whoever won something or did well or whatever in this Survivor Series gimmick, they got some sort of advantage for spots in the Royal Rumble? Like a job. Okay, fuck. If we're just going to be real, let's do some questions here. I can tell that you're Pat, you need a nap. Uh, Chase wants to know how good was SmackDown in this era? The best of seven was just the striking gold with King Booker, the rise of Ken Kennedy, Randy and Taker, the stories of Ray continuing to lead to his big win at the Royal Rumble, all contribute to one of my favorite eras in SmackDown history. You're welcome. I knew you were going to say you're welcome. I just. I know you very well. I think, you know, I, I just look at, at the, it was different and the, it was a concerted effort to try and make it different. Uh, the talent to me just, just really shined and raw was a, a different type show. It was a little bit more established talent and it was a different feel, but I do think that, uh, hats off hundred percent to the talent in that one. Chase wants to know, is this the best survivor series of the two thousands? It's my favorite for sure. Uh, you know, again, going back and watching it, I have to almost agree with you there. And since I haven't gone back and watched, you know, that many more in 2000 yet, I think that this would hold up because from top to bottom, everything was really solid and felt good. It is interesting. I do want to bring this up. And I know why it was done last. It was a way to bring out the undertaker and send them home happy. But the next year you're going to close the show with Batista and King Booker. And then in a seven, you're going to close the show with Batista and the undertaker. And in 08, you're going to close the show with John Cena and Chris Jericho. And in a nine, you're going to close the show with John Cena, triple H and Shawn Michaels. I guess my point is. You rarely saw an elimination match and the pay-per-view. It didn't usually go on last. It didn't in 2010 either. Even though the Nexus was around, it was still a singles match. That was a little bit of a departure for what you guys had been doing. Now it wasn't from the prior year because it was definitely a team thing. I think back then it was team Morton versus team triple H back in 04. but this is sort of the last year that the teams would finish it. Well, I think also, you know, there had been a departure from the teams going back into the 90s. So there was a longer history of not having the teams than there was with the teams. So, uh, you know, it that was normal, really, for us. It, it just, for those that really remember the teams and go back that far, then that's what they identify Survivor Series with. Do you prefer the... Uh the team thing to be the main event. I mean, you did it again, uh, just a handful of years ago, I guess, 2014, it was team Cena versus team authority, but it is kind of rare that that's the way you do it with the teams. It really, it really depends. It really depends on the talent, what the, what the main issues are. Let's do another question. This one is from uh, Instagram, a wrestling historian. He says, Chris Benoit, Ken Kennedy and Christian cage were originally going to be on team SmackDown. And Shelton Benjamin was going to be on team raw instead of Kane. He, he says this was reported by Dave Meltzer in November, 2005 and wants to know if it's true or false. And I help can't help, but wonder had I not said that if you would 
answered differently? Probably not, but keep in mind where you get your information where uh, the same person reports something four days after it happened as if they're reporting this miraculously new thing. So uh, nine times out of 10, your source is probably wrong. So consider your source. Tony writes, since Eddie Guerrero was supposed to be supposed to be on team SmackDown and Orton took his place due to Eddie's tragic death. What was the plan for Orton at this show? Since he wasn't booked in the main event and would the result have been the same with SmackDown winning? If Eddie was in Orton's spot, that's a great question because the way it finished, it felt like, oh, this was the plan all along, but he was a replacement. So it wasn't the plan all along. What was the original plan? You know, as, as I said before, there are moments in time where I kind of have a block, um, for whatever reason. And the, the, the story, uh, beyond Eddie and Batista in October was to continue with Eddie and Batista and to continue to tell that story of the friendship and, uh, grow that rivalry a little more. So, so Eddie would have with, screwed Batista somehow here. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I really and truly don't remember because I really and truly just kind of have a block it, it as far as what we were going to do, because it's kind of a traumatic, yeah, traumatic deal uh, that I, I, I don't have it. I, I really don't, don't know other than when we started the whole Eddie and uh, Batista story that that was to go on for a while. Hey, Bruce, and to give you a quick shout out, we, uh, have recently been talking a little bit more about the importance of having a money guy here on some of my shows. And I've just casually mentioned that you're using friend of the show, Lenny Bakken, uh, who I think is on Twitter. Let me see if I can find his handle, uh, I interact with him all the time, but I sometimes forget his handle. Thank goodness for autocorrect every now and again, L E N N Y B A K K E N. Anyway. Yeah, there he is. Lenny Bakken is a financial advisor. He's your money guy. And uh, everybody on these various shows talks a little bit about the importance of having a money guy. Jim Ross's money guy has been, uh, well-established now for 20 years. And, uh, of course we've heard the famous story from Arn Anderson about when he was uh, coming to grips with the reality that this surgery he had in 97 was going to be the end of his career. He thought, man, this might be the end of my whole life. Uh, thank goodness he had a money guy. Anyway, just wanted to take a minute to uh, send a shout out to you, Bruce, because I know that you've used Lenny for a while now and, and put him over big to me off air. And then I just mentioned it on the show and I'm starting to get people DMing me saying, Hey man, Lenny is really hooking me up. So friends helping friends here on the show and, uh, a friend of the show, Lenny Bakken makes it possible. So. If you haven't already, check him out on Twitter. He's a fun dude to follow. He's at Lenny Bakken, and uh, he's a big fan of everything we're doing over at adfreeshows.com. Big wrestling fan, and you see his profile picture is him and Arn, and then his header is uh, me, him, and Bruce at the first live something to wrestle. God, it feels like 100 years ago. And one day, you, you'll look back and, and think about that, maybe with your money and Lenny. So shout out to Lenny, man. Uh, I love when, when we have these success stories, friends, helping friends through wrestling. Come on. Uh, John Alba says, uh, shout out to John. who's always putting us over, uh, for some reason, I always remember the dicks hoisting Orton when taker returns, where do the dicks rank in terms of all time tag teams? Uh, don't you bottom, fucking bottom do 100. it. Oh, I thought you were gonna say top five and I was going to hang no. up. 
how, how much of the name was a rib? Uh, well, the one, God damn, one of them, one of them came to us with the name and it, it just became uh, go with it. And it was, it was from an OVW deal that they did. And one thing led to another. And before you knew it, you had the dicks on TV. All right. We'll do one last one and then we'll uh, get out of here. Ray wants to know, why is it that Sean was always the last one eliminated from traditional survivor series matches? Well, I don't know that to be true. I'd have to go back and do my research. Um, but maybe Sean just knew how to work them damn elimination matches. I mean, really in theory, you're looking for a guy who's going to have good cardio and be able to make everybody look as good as they possibly can, whether he's losing or winning. So Sean Michaels is probably somebody you want in there most of the time, right? He's a good candidate for him, without a doubt. Next week, we're going to be back with you with Armageddon 2005. This is a SmackDown pay-per-view that went down on December 18th from Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. On top, we've got The Undertaker and Randy Orton in a hell in a cell. Big Show will be teaming with Kane to take on Batista and Rey Mysterio. Kid Cash will be in there challenging for the Cruiserweight Championship. Hooventude will be defending that championship. We've got a two-on-one with Bobby Lashley taking on William Regal and your boy, Paul Burchill. We'll have the fourth match in the best of seven series for the U S title with Benoit and Booker T we've got Eminem with Molina taking on the Mexicals. Can't wait to beat you up about that one more time. And then we've got John Bradshaw Layfield with Jillian Hall taking on Matt Hardy. What do you think we might talk about next week when we cover Armageddon 2005? God damn. Do I have to watch it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Bradshaw, Matt Hardy. Holy cow. Well, who the hell was writing that shit? Well, SmackDown, you took all the credit a minute ago, so I'm going to lean towards you. I must have been off that day. As a reminder, we're doing a profile piece. I know how much you guys enjoy our profiles. We'll be back on December 11th with Ray Mysterio Jr. December 18th is In Your House number five. I'm pumped about this one. This was a really good match. Bret Hart and the British Bulldog for the world title in a 21-minute match. Right before it, well, something a little different. Undertaker and King Mabel in a casket match. Uh, then we've got Owen Hart and uh, Diesel. We've also got Hunter Hearst Helmsley working with Henry O. Godwin hog meat in an Arkansas hog pen match. Hillbilly Jim is the special guest referee. Ahmed Johnson is going to work with Buddy Landale. That's a real thing. And then Marty Janetti is going to team with Razor Ramon against one, two, three kid and psycho Sid. I love WWF in 1995. And that's what we're talking about later this month. Don't miss it. It's December 18th. Bruce says, I'm running down the card. You got tickled. What got you? <laughs> uh, just, uh, old Henry Godwin. I got to see him this week and it was just so fucking good to see him again. He's one of my favorite people just in the whole wide world. Cause he always got a smile on his face and he's a, just a great, great guy. Man, I'm just, uh, I'm fired up about what we've got coming here uh, later this month. I hope you guys will join us. You get these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. Oh, did I leave out Christmas? How about Christmas day, Bruce? What the hell? We're doing a no holds barred watch along. Well, you know what they always say? I'm ready. I have a Merry Christmas and you can have a no holds barred Christmas. 
stay tuned boys and girls it's going to be a fun december we'll be back your way next week with armageddon 2005 right here on something to wrestle with bruce pritchard rock on happy thanksgiving everybody by the way the best way to introduce something to wrestle to the wrestling fan in your life is to send them to our youtube channel it's youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle do us a favor go hit that subscribe button right now you'll get a sneak peek of upcoming episodes lots of fun clips to show your friends and maybe best of all we have a ton of new giveaways headed your way over at youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle plus we've got a ton of new gimmicks up at boxofgimmicks.com for instance we've got a lot of dave silva's cover arts on posters there's lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the ad-free show community check them out right now at boxofgimmicks.com don't forget to hit that subscribe button over at youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle the most hated jeweler in america is excited to introduce you to someone very special she's beautiful classy and she's brilliant she will dazzle you people can't stop staring at her meet krista she's easy wait what krista is steven singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye-flawless, near-colorless, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent, full, one-carat, round, brilliant-cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive, plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only, or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love Engagement Ring. Steven Singer Jewelers, real jewelry, real experts, for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Well, it's happening. The holidays are finally here as if 2020 couldn't get any more stressful. Of course, by now we're all used to it. This Friday, typically people go out and spend money. They don't have on things they don't need all in the name of holiday cheer. It's called black Friday for a reason. RIP to your credit card debt. Am I right? I read a while back that the average family puts Christmas on a credit card and it takes about six months to pay it off. Uh-uh. There's got to be a better way than that. Don't get stuck making minimum payments and make this a new year's resolution. Go to savewithconrad.com right now. We're going to show you how to get a lower monthly payment and get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but maybe best of all, you get to skip your single biggest bill. That's right. No house payments in December or in January. You're done until February 1st. And of course, come February, you're going to have the best mortgage you ever had. I'm talking a lower monthly payment, a much better interest rate. And best of all, we're going to show you how to pay your house off faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. We're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you cash, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free and make this the best Christmas ever at savewithconrad.com. And remember, when you go to savewithconrad.com, you're dealing with me. You can even send me an email, conrad at savewithconrad.com. 
or give us a call 888-425-0105. But the surefire way to make it happen for your family is save with Conrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, save with Conrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.